Hi again, everyone. This is Tim along with Anthony, and this is Radio MVP, episode number 45 of the Sports Podcast. And Anthony and I are in the same room for the first time in back-to-back weeks in a long time. Uh, nothing wrong with you and Google Hangout, just taking a different route. As a lot going on, obviously the the big announcement came just a few days after we recorded last week as LeBron James has announced, as we suspected, uh, headed to L.A. to become a Laker. And now the, the big question is, what do the Cavaliers do? A couple different rumors out there, one saying that they're not going to try to rebuild, they're just going to try to maintain and move forward, and then the other is recognizing that it's time to tear down and rebuild. And quite honestly, really, for the Cavaliers, I like option two, tear down and rebuild, simply because, A, I'm not worried about winning this year. You're not going mm-hmm. to. The Cavaliers did the exactly the correct thing the last four years. You're given a LeBron James, you go for it. Whatever that takes, you do what you have to do, and you ended up with a championship in 2016. And three appearances that came up uh, short in the finals. Nothing wrong with that. It, you know, that's sports. You can't win them all. You want to win them all. You ran into a, really a juggernaut that no one's seen coming in Golden State, and it was what it was, you know. As now for LeBron moving on, my personal feelings on it is kind of disappointment, but not huge disappointment. I kind of expected it as the season progressed. I didn't know what was going to happen. I've said mm-hmm. that many times. I, you know, you everyone can make their own decisions and and beliefs, but he did leave a few. Hints along the way when he was buying houses in Miami before mm-hmm. going down to uh, sign with Miami. He did the exact same thing. He bought houses in L.A. and and now he's headed out to L.A. Uh, is it a basketball decision slash career decision? Probably more the latter than the, the former, though. I think it is a basketball mm-hmm. decision because you look at what he has done in his career using free agency he's always trying to find a team that he's going to build Mm -hmm. around and that they're going to make moves to give him a chance to win obviously they created a super team down in miami went to four straight finals winning two of them and then when the owner there made the decision that he didn't want it to continue to spend and go into the luxury tax you know lebron james made it known that he wanted to go back to cleveland and he did Mm -hmm. and the Cavs had all the talent the young talent that they had, they acquired during that time that he was not there. They used all their equity to r- make runs at the NBA championships and they did it and they did the correct thing. And I, you know, they, when you're give, when you have a player of that magnitude, you do it, you just go for it and you pay the piper later. Unfortunately, you know, you can say loyalty and all that, but truth of the matter is, is he was, he, he spent four years here. He did not, asked to be traded or anything Mm -hmm. like that. He wasn't Kyrie Irving. And as I mentioned last week, I think really he may have stayed here longer and maybe finished his career in Cleveland, but circumstances changed. I think when David Griffin was let go Mm -hmm. as GM had a big impact on his belief in the Cavaliers and he needed someone between him and Dan Gilbert. And he didn't think he had that any longer. And then, Obviously, Kyrie Irving jumping ship like he did uh, caused you know another another wave of a, of concern. I'm not saying those were two major factors in the end, but I think they definitely contributed to the decision making that happened. And who knows what would have happened if if David Griffin stayed? Mm-hmm. Who knows if he would have traded Kyrie or not? And obviously, Irving got hurt during the season, so. Would he have been available during the postseason and all that? Who knows? I mean, we're speculating, and you can speculate all day long. I don't think you're going to win anything speculating. Nope. However, I will say this. I don't think he did, you know, he's definitely the new athlete in the new millennium that we're dealing with that understands free agency mm-hmm. and understands leverage and understands power better than any athlete that we've seen in many years, maybe Tom Brady's the only other one who's ever really used his leverage mm-hmm. to any uh, great concern in the last five years, you know, to get what he wanted and to have what he needs to win. And I think those are really most important things you got to remember. And 
I well, I don't have a problem with what he chose to do. I'm disappointed as a Cav fan because anytime you have the best player on the planet, you want him mm-hmm. wearing your uniform and someone to cheer for. You look at his nine years in Cleveland or his 11 years in Cleveland, something like that, mm-hmm. a total years. Anyways, what, five championship series, one championship? Yep. I mean, previously, zero. Zero, yep. So, I mean, his legacy is what it is. And to break that drought in Cleveland is uh, huge. There is, you know, when people talk about the championship droughts in Cleveland, they're gonna, first thing they're going to say is LeBron James mm-hmm. came home and ended it. Not that the Cleveland Indians won the World Series. Not that the Cleveland Browns won a Super Bowl. They're going to say LeBron James returned home to Cleveland and brought a championship, and he won a championship series down three games to one. It was never been done in the NBA history. That's what people are going to talk about. Yes, they'll talk about Dan Gilbert and that side story. And yes, they'll talk about the coaching staff. And yes, they'll talk about the players and Kevin Love and some of the players that have been traded along the way to make that run. But in the end, you know, 2016 will always go down in history as, as the championship that broke the drought in Cleveland. And the only reason that's ever been broken is because LeBron mm-hmm. James came home. And now he went to L.A., We'll see what happens. Obviously, Space Jams 2 is being released soon and all that. And, you know, obviously he has a connection to Hollywood and it looks like that's something that he wants to do. And then you have the connection with Magic Johnson, Mm -hmm. who has a Hollywood connection, who has the business connections, Mm -hmm. who has the NBA connections. Then what he has achieved in his career after his playing days, a lot of it adds up to why. The Lakers mm-hmm. was a choice. The question will be is can Magic Johnson do what David Griffin did and put a team around LeBron James to win a championship? That's the question that will have to be answered in the next four years. Will Can the Lakers do that, especially in the West, which is loaded with huge talent? And we'll just have to wait and see. But overall, I'm not surprised. I'm happy for him. Disappointed as a Cav fan, still a Cav fan, will always be a Cav fan. And uh, you move forward. And uh, thank you for 2016. Thank you for the last four years. Thank you for your time in Cleveland. And uh, wouldn't shock me that he makes one last appearance in a Cavaliers uniform when he's done. Would not shock me if that happens. I'm not saying it will happen, but I do believe either one game or one season, he'll come back for one last bow. To Northeast Ohio. That's my gut feeling. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I think that's how the way he's going to write his ending his story here in five years from now. We'll just have to wait and see how right or wrong that prediction is. And you know how I feel about predictions. Everybody <laughs> has one just like they have a part of their body. So uh, let's just move on from there and uh, say hello, Anthony. How are you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Just to piggyback off what you said, um, I don't think any of us are really surprised in the direction he chose. I think we all kind of saw the writing on the wall going into this year. And as this year progressed, uh, that leaving would probably be the destination he did choose. And as the season came to a close and free agency began, the Lakers looked like the only real threat to sign him away from Cleveland. And it's, I think, like you said also, it's more so a career and family move than a basketball move. Obviously, it's a basketball move. He's still in the prime of his career after coming off a over 100-game played season. Um, but I do think he's angling towards a Hollywood route. Like you said, he's into the movies. And the tie to Magic Johnson, that's, that's something that's really hard to pass up. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how he and Magic build this Laker group because in Cleveland, they surrounded LeBron with a bunch of shooters, Corver and Smith and Irvin could shoot, um, you know, so, and now the Lakers are taking the, I don't want to say the opposite approach, but it's kind of a different approach in the sense that, you know, Lons is a 33% shooter and Rondo, they're all playmakers and LeBron's going to play more post back to the basket, which will be a, which would be a tweak to his game. Not that it's going to be anything major because he's one of the best in our game in the low post. Um, I do think you're right. I think 
Honestly, LeBron likes to sign four-year contracts wherever he goes. He did in Miami. He did it in Cleveland. He did it again to Lakers. Uh, speculating that's when his son will be draft eligible. And he's always stated that would be his biggest basketball highlight was playing with his son. Um, but I do think you're right. I do think that in the end, LeBron will come back and finish his farewell tour with the Cavaliers. It'll probably be a one-year deal um, just to say thank you. And if you're a Cavs fan, I, I, you have every right to be disappointed because, like you said, you want the best player on your team. But I think the biggest thing this time around is just thank you. Because, like you said, when people go back and talk about, you know, the whole jokes about Cleveland aren't there anymore. All the Cle- you know, Cleveland can't finish. They can't do this. To, you know, just a mistake on the lake. It's now looked at a place where people want to go. It's, it's looked at a place where, hey, I can win there. I think the Browns are getting there. The Indians are obviously there. And the, collab- and the Cavs shown you can do it. And I think when you look back and you talk about it, ending the Cleveland drought, is there a better way to do so? Myself, I'd love to see the Indians would have done it. But, it, you know, but a hometown kid comes home, makes a promise that he's going to do it, and then does it in the most Cleveland way possible, being down 3-1 and fighting and clawing and everything he wrote in his letter that's earned it's not giving. He had earned every every single ounce of that championship. It just it is the epitome and definition to be a Clevelander and a Northeast Ohio resident. And I think you and I see that every day. Um, you know, so it's disappointing, yeah, but it's not surprising. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they build out there in Los Angeles with the star talent that Golden State continues to amass. Uh, we'll see if the decision not to sign DeMarcus Cousins comes back to hurt the Lakers. Um, it'll be interesting to see what now happens with Kawhi Leonard after reports came out that he maybe doesn't want to go to the Lakers anymore. And I don't know what to believe in that. I just think it's a big-time diva, as Michelle Beadle called him. And why the heck would you want to go play for the Clippers when... If your main goal is to just get money, okay, you can go do that. Stephen Jackson was on Colin Coward's show on the 4th of July, and he said that there are 50% of the guys in the NBA, they don't give a crap about winning. All they want is the money. And I, I don't know what kind of player Kawhi Leonard is. Obviously, there's tons of stories and rumors coming out each day. Um, you know... I want to play that. I'm going to sign there no matter what. And, you know, so we'll just have to wait and see. As far as the Cavs' rebuild goes or just to hang in contention, I mean, yeah, you could hang in there and sign some pieces here or there and be a 7 or 8 seed, but, I mean, what are you really gaining from it? Well, I'll tell you what. They really, the reason they need the tank is very simple. They have a protected draft mm-hmm. pick that they sent to Atlanta to get Cover. Mm-hmm. And if it's a top 10 pick, they, they get it. it. Mm-hmm. If it's an 11th or better Atlanta or, or worse, it. Atlanta gets it. So on that level alone, and I don't know what the draft class is going to be, you would have to think as a technician, as a person who uses strategy mm-hmm. and is looking at what their club is, would want to protect that pick. And use that this year to the best of their ability. And there's a good chance that if they do it properly, and I say properly, is they yeah. do move some players off the roster and they, they do start over. You're talking about a top five pick again. Mm-hmm. And that could be very huge. I mean, last year was a top eight. It could be the top eight, top five. You never know how the ball may bounce. They've been lucky to, you know, the few years that LeBron wasn't there, the ball did bounce their way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you believe in... Uh, Miracles yep. or, or, or honesty in, in the lottery. I don't know. But the bottom line is I do believe, you know, the idea of trading a Kevin Love, a Jordan Clarkson, a Hill makes, makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. I'm not sure it's going to happen uh, before the season begins. But I definitely believe it could happen uh, within the season, as the season progress. And you never know what chips you may get in the process of making those trades, what players are going to become. You know, I look at the Cavaliers, and I see three things. 
during the LeBron James era is they traded everything away mm-hmm. that they possibly could to win. Yep. And then they had some players get discontented and move on, and it changed the, really the platform of the future of the Cavaliers mm-hmm. organization. So there's nothing you can do about that. you got to move on. Uh, the You know, Christian Thompson, I mean, we'll see. You know, is he a tradable trade bait? What are you going to get for him? I don't know. You know, but it's possible. I'm not saying they will. And same with Kevin Love. Those are, I mean, they have some tradable mm-hmm. assets. Will they get first-round draft picks? Will they, you know, get salary relief? Will they get players back? Who are they trading for? Who are they trading with? You know, all mm-hmm. those things are unanswerable questions. And uh, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, see, you should have never traded with the, with the Lakers last year because you just made room for LeBron James to go there. And I'm like, no, the job for the Cleveland Cavaliers is try now. to win now. Yep. And, you know, and secure a future. And I think, you know, Larry Nance Jr. helps this Cavaliers yep. team long term. I think and, Boston does as well. You know, and I, they both feel, feel the need they needed. This team was not that talented overall. Mm. And look, they still ended up in the N- NBA Finals. They still beat the up-and-coming Boston, Boston Celtics. Celtics yep. The 76ers fell to the Boston Celtics during the uh the playoffs. We'll see what happens in the East. I'm not going to predict it. Uh, obviously, the Sixers and the, and, the, and the Celtics will be the top two t- seeds mm-hmm. most people are looking for. But I think Toronto could be yeah, that team that could come out of the mm-hmm. East that no one's talking about. So we'll just wait and see. And as for the Cavaliers, I honestly do believe the, the rebuild is the correct move. It's a tough move to make. The fans are probably... Going to be disappointed, mm-hmm. but in the same vein, if they're they look at the, the big picture, which most Fans may not don't. do, uh, you would you would recognize that it's the correct thing to do long term. Uh, will you win a championship again? Who knows? It's difficult in the NBA because it is a players' league. Mm-hmm. As we, if it's this year, did not prove it to anybody. It in the last three years did not prove it to anybody. It is a players', players league. Yep. Players make decisions on where they're going to play. It's up to the organizations then to build the team around them. It's not the opposite where teams build a championship team and then hold on to their pieces to win. What happened in Oakland with Golden State is unique. They were able to build a team and then add on to it, and they've continued to add on to it to make them you know, the number one basketball you know, organization in the NBA. Same thing with the Celtics. Give Danny Ainge credit. He has built that team. Will it stay there? Eh, we'll just wait and see. You know, uh, there's already rumors that Irving is talking about leaving. So we'll see exactly what happens a year from now and uh, how it all works out. But, yeah, you know, as you were speaking about money for players, the the money in the NBA is just ridiculously ridiculous. huge. It and, 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 so but now. you know what? Sports in general. And this exactly. and it's not it's, this is not – Jealousy. There just is. It's a huge, huge multi billion dollar business. And the reason is is because you and I, I go watch, watch yep. and we watch it on television. We go to and games, yep. Exactly. And and it is what it is. I don't deny look, the timing of these players in this generation making thirty five, forty million dollars a year playing basketball, whoever would have dreamt it. You know, same with with football players yep. making twenty million dollars a year, or baseball football players yep. making twenty, thirty million dollars mm-hmm. a year. You know, this coming off season. So this is nothing out of the ordinary of what we're dealing with, and that's just the way I see it. And it's nothing more than mm-hmm. what the market value is. For. Now you may say, "Oh, they should never make that money." Yeah, you know what? That's what the market pays. Yep. That's how much is in sports. That's how much the owners are making. This is how much, you know, the organizations are making. That's why they can pay a GM 5 to 7 million dollars a year. You know, that's why they pay coaches that type of money. Because that's they're still making money in yep. the process. Yeah, are their teams struggling because they don't have the market size and they don't have the shares that they need and they don't have the product that that entice the fans? Yeah. However, you know, that's up to the organization to figure out. The 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 groundwork for the for the organization, I mean the the leagues is there 
and it's going to be there for many years to come and it's just going to get continuous big you know more and more big that's why you have the xfl coming back in two years that's why you have another football league trying to form now mm-hmm. you know it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this all you know comes about i don't think you'll ever see anybody challenge major league baseball or you may see a basketball i doubt it you got they the have, three on three league well, but that's yeah yeah you have offshoots mm-hmm. yeah and I think you have the WNBA and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think you have growth that way. I don't think you'll ever see a the, the, the yep. ABA again. Yeah. You know, where you had a competing league. I don't think you'll ever see the AFL again, nope. where you have a competing league with the NFL. I do believe football, of all the sports, is the most available because there's enough markets. And if it's run properly, and I'm not saying the XFL oh, is or is not, uh, you know, it's possible. I just don't think it's probable. And that's just, you know, my my humble thoughts on that. So that's enough on LeBron James and the Cavs and everything else going on. But I had an opportunity to uh, do some minor league football again mm-hmm. this past week. And when we mean minor league football, some call it semi-pro, mm-hmm. which is a misnomer. As um, those who know our friend Jim Craven has been involved in that for the last few years. It's actually amateur players who play past their collegiate or their high school Mm -hmm. um, eligibility and then continue to play football and they play within a league and they play under you know rules that are designed for that each league so and some of the players are 19 years old and some Some players are are 45 it's and it's it's a unique brand of football and uh, obviously Jim Craven, we're going to try to get him on. He's, of course, with the Western Reserve Digital Radio. Uh, he was also a owner of the Mahoney, Mahoney Valley. Uh, no, Western, Western Reserve, Reserve Scourge. Scourge. Yep. Yep. Western Reserve Scourge. And uh, he's involvement with uh, the Cleveland Cobras. Uh, he played for them just the last couple of weeks. That's why I had a chance to broadcast the games. <laughs> but interesting enough, let me tell you this. This is the problem with minor league football that they have went down to West Virginia to do this game. And it was a competitive game. Mm -hmm. It was an interesting game. However, when they got there, they didn't have enough officials. You're supposed to have a minimum of five. The league says the minimum five and six officials must be presented to to, to do do the game. game. They had four. And then they found out as the game went on that three of them never officiated a game before. (laughs) And the fourth one, it's been retired for five years and doesn't have a Without official a card. Exactly. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let me say, there were some interesting calls late in that game that did not go uh, the visitor's way at all. And it just got kind of out of the hand. And, you know, I won't take anything away from the, the big plays that they made, but some of the calls were just atrocious. And that's what I think you run into at, the level, and yep. at any level. As you get down, as a matter of fact, you go at the Division One basketball or football. You go to the Ohio States, the Dukes, you know, the ACC, the Big Ten, you know, any of those type. You're going to see high-quality officials. Mm-hmm. You come down to the level of Youngstown State, you're going to see good officials. Not great officials, but good officials. And then if you go down to the next size, lower, uh, where you have uh, where Youngstown was, yep. like when they were in the uh, – the Continental League and yep. stuff like that. There's some really bad yes, officials. Yes, there are. Yes, and that's there what are. you run into as you keep going down. And same with Division Two and Division Three. They're usually officials who are learning the game or been around a long time. There's some really yep. good ones at that level. You know, and that's exactly what they do. They're just regional officials, and mm-hmm. they don't want to travel the country, and I totally get that. They just want to be able to go on a Saturday afternoon yep. and do a game or a Tuesday night do a game, you know, if it's basketball. But – that's that's the problem you run into. You really have to recruit officiating at all levels to uh, be able to get something done. And that's just something on an offshoot that I was going to talk about. And I'm not going to go deep into it. But that's where you, when you're talking about starting new leagues. One of the most important things you got to do is find officiating and find quality officiating. Yep. And you don't have to be perfect, but they have to be they have to be competent and they got to be able to make good decisions and at least stand by them mm-hmm. and not be wishy-washy. 
and that's hard to do. And it sounds a lot like Stark County officials. Well, at high school is the same thing. You'll see really great officials, and, and you'll, you'll go to some, some really parts. You'll one. see some really bad ones, and you'll see some that are just completely incompetent. Yep. And it goes, you know, across the board. And you know, at the Division One high school football, you may find some really talented ones. At Division Six and Seven, you may find some very inexperienced mm-hmm. ones. And you know, and that's the way it works. And years ago, the officials I used to talk to had talked about coming up through the system. They would do, you know, seventh and eighth grade football yep. and basketball and baseball and stuff like that and work their way up. And they would spend five, seven years at the lower yep. levels before they went to the varsity level. Today, they don't have enough officials. Nope. So the guys at the lower level are either A, guys who are older who want just to do it on a Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon type thing for a football game, you know, only a two-man crew or a three-man crew. Or you have a young guy who's doing it who wants to be on Friday night, mm-hmm. and within a year or two, he is on on a uh, on a team, you know, on a uh, officiating crew doing a Friday night or a Saturday night game, and that's just the way it works. Like I said, officiating to me is where all leagues at the high school level on up that's where they have to make an investment in. And if you're out there thinking about being an official, I'm not sure exactly who you need to talk to, but something we will try to get on here in the future, Anthony. Someone yeah, who, official uh, on, yep. Yeah, and talk about the rise of that and how they got involved and how others can get involved in the future because it's actually a, a nice part-time job for a lot of these guys. They can make, you know, 50 to $100 a night officiating at different levels. So if you pull that together, it can be, a, uh, nice it's a nice, check, yeah. yeah. It's a nice, you know, side gig for a lot of guys and a lot of gals out there because now mm-hmm. you see more, more female, more female yeah. officials, you know, in football and basketball games and everything else. Yeah, in fact, YSU just this year had, uh, I believe, a female do two or three of their home conference games. That's pretty cool. Over in Western Pennsylvania, I see more and more uh, women officials in football. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, uh, I haven't seen as many in Ohio, but I'm not saying they're not there. And they won't be used. And I think we will see more of that just because of the numbers. Two in the NFL now. Is that right? There might One be. or two. Yeah. 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 And that's good. I mean, if they're willing to do the job and willing to learn and learn, you know, to be the best they can be, mm-hmm. then obviously I think it has a, a, pre- a presence in, uh, in sports and equality is never a bad thing. I think officiating could happen. I'm waiting to see Major League Baseball break that yep. barrier. I think it will happen here soon. I know a few years back, 20 years ago, there was talk about that, and it kind of died out. We haven't really seen it that I know of any. I haven't uh, seen it, no. Uh, minor league uh, fish, uh, umpires who are female, but I think uh, we'll see that here in the mm-hmm. next few years too. I really, truly do. And that's just a totally offshoot. What's going on? And speaking of baseball, the Indians continue to win, Anthony, and playing good baseball. Yep. Yeah, it's um, refreshing to see after last night's game. Oakland's a surprisingly good team. They remind me a lot of our team in 2013 where not a lot of star power names, but they're just gritty. they got a good pitching staff, young pitching staff, um, and a lot of young hitters. And they're, they're gritty. Um you know, it's always nice to get back home after a long road trip and start the extended homestand on a great note. Uh, should get great crowds all weekend. Hopefully you can just keep winning series. I already, and, you know, not to interrupt you real quick, but I read a stat, I think on Twitter. I think it was Zach Measle put it out there. Um, he, uh, he, he does said, a good job. Yeah, I think they had a 10-game homestand coming mm-hmm, up. Yep. I think they've already sold 270,000 tickets. Wow. So that's, that's, that's 27,000 on each night. And the, the ballpark only holds around 34,000. 34, yep. So you got, and I believe last time I heard that every, that most of the Yankee games are sold out or near sold out. So that'll be a nice little four game weekend series heading into the All Star break to see where you're at. And it's summertime. People want to be out. You and know. it's gorgeous weather. It's it absolutely is. It, gorgeous weather. We're running into that time of the year. That's yep. what made the scheduling so frustrating is to have that long two homestands in April. Yeah, you had n- 19 abs- home games and from it, April 4th to May 6th or yeah, May 2nd, yeah, whatever About the first it. six yeah. weeks of the season made absolutely no, no sense. sense. Yep. I mean, I understand that sometimes quirk and schedules happen. And, and the other – to give other teams those ga- dates at home too, sometimes you have to 
Yeah, you never you know, know what host, to You know, just otherwise. a quirk in the schedule type thing. But and when you look at the Northeast, you know, you look at the the Midwest, you know, Detroit, Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to be able to get games in in April anymore, no. especially as the, as the season gets earlier and earlier. You know, years ago, the season didn't start till April 10th and 15th. Yep. Now it starts April 1st or, or something. March. Or March, exactly. Yeah, so you just, you're not going to have the weather in that part of the country that you need. So, you know, those teams that have uh, dome stadiums and retractable dome stadiums like Milwaukee and others need need to be used, utilized at that time of the year and utilize them right now for both American League and National League interleague games. Speaking quickly of interleague games, I was reading uh, a thing earlier about the DH and it seems to be more and more prevalent that National League GMs and organizations would rather have the DH. Really? Yes, it's coming soon. I think it's all coming. It has to. Soon. I'll be quite honest. It makes no sense. Like I said, I've given my opinion on this, mm-hmm. and I think it's the easiest solution in the world, you know, starting next season, is just make it a manager's Manager decision. Yep. Uh, you know, each and every game. If you have a player like Otani and you want to bat him and pitch him, that's your choice. Yep. If you have a bum garter and you want to bat him or a CC Sabathia for that yep. matter, you want to bat him, that's the manager's choice. And then he plays under those rules. Opposite manager makes his own decision. Just like they have in spring training many times where you see the American DH, League yep. team has a DH and the the National League team has the pitcher batting yep. in, a, in an exhibition game. And the reason they have it because it doesn't matter. Nope. And as long as you have these two rules, you might as well make it work best. And I'm more and more a proponent of that. It just has to happen. I just don't want to see people get hurt. Yes, it was nice to see. What was it Shane Bieber get a base hit? Double, yep. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. Obviously, it's fun to watch these guys bat for the first time or succeed. It's fun watching CZ hit the bomb. But the the thing is. One every ten at bats, one of these pitchers are going to get a base yep. hit or a home run yeah, or drive like in a run. Out. Yeah, yeah, and it's just let's face it, the game has changed, and the game continues you know, people... to change, and it needs to change. And I think with all the changes that they're talking about in baseball, that's the easiest one to make. Maybe it won't change the time of the game. However, it will definitely, I think, attract more fans because scoring attracts fans and home runs attract fans and legends attract fans. Uh, Jim Tomey had to come back to the American League at the end of his career. David to, Ortiz. David Ortiz. And there's many, many. And you want to see uh, now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they moved to the American Lake when they're older? Because they know the DH is there, and that's yep. where they can continue their you career. You preserve your career for three or four more years. Absolutely. And it's been part of baseball for 45, 50 years. So what's the difference? You know, in my opinion, it's just, it's just time to accept it. And all baseball has the DH. Yep. High school level, all college. the way up. Yeah, college. Minor leagues, there's minor league uh, leagues minor that league actually DH. have the DH where they actually are in a national league organization. Yeah. So let's just accept the fact that it's here and yeah, let's the, get it done. Uh, the Batavia Mocktalks, who Mahoning Valley just got done playing, is Miami's affiliate and they use DH. Yeah. So it's, you know, people want to say, it's, oh, it's, it's changed part of, strategy, it's, but I, it's part of the New York Penn it's League's. It's not going to change. It's part of the New much. York Penn League's uh, rules. That's why. So if you join that league, you're going to use not, a DH, and there's nothing different about it. No, and you can, and you, you, you know, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, and that's part of the reason why you don't want pitchers batting. You know, it could, you know, it's it's all about growing the game and preserving the game, and. Like you said, Tommy came back and Pujols is here and Ortiz. You know, you preserve guys' careers four or five years, and I just don't think the the whole strategy thing would be that much different. Okay, a double switch. Uh, I mean, it's you know, not that big of a deal. If you sit down like you and I do and watch the you Indians, you know what a double switch is. I mean, in generally yeah. speaking, terms, you know what it is. It's the person. What you're doing is making the pitcher bat ninth yep. in the order. Yep. That's all it is. So you're taking up one player out who just finished the inning off yeah, and, and replacing him with the pitcher in the batting order. That's all that is. It's not know, that big of a strategy move. It's just for the next inning, if you had a big inning, the pitcher would bat ninth. Yeah. That's all it you means. Know, and it's, 
if you watch unions like we do, more often than not, from the sixth inning on, we're changing outfielders or we're changing infielders. And, you know, so it's not like it's the American stra- League. The strategy in baseball is still there. Yeah, you're not you're not going to totally eliminate all strategy if you go DH all across the board. So I think, like you said, it's coming. It's probably going to be here within the next three years, hopefully. It, it's too much common sense not to put it in, but then again, our we'll buddy see. Manfred. Well, it's not even him. I think it's just baseball in general. I think in the end, it will happen. It has to happen. It's mm-hmm. the correct thing to do. Watching pitchers bad is just boring and not necessary. It's boring and painful. You know what? It's just not necessary. It's a guaranteed out. Well, like I said, let's let a manager make that decision. If he believes he has the athlete and he wants to play the game that way, so be it. Uh, last year, when Bungarder was uh, healthy and doing well, they had an interleague game in, I believe, against Oakland. Against in the, you know because that would be mm-hmm. their natural rivalry, like yep. Cleveland has with with the Reds. And Bungarner batted. They had him yep. bat as a pitcher in American League bat in American League. Uh, I remember lineup. Yep. So why why not? Who cares? In American League Park, you know it can happen. It's no big deal, and it'd be great for baseball just to recognize that and move forward. Because I really you know don't care. I think those who defend it are just you know either traditionalists. In every sense of the form, or just want to be a pain in the ass. Yep. Simple as that. Exactly. You know, and that's the way exactly. I look at it. And there are those who are truly traditionalists, and I respect that. However, the game changes, and the game has changed. Matter of the fact, the game evolves. Well, well, the most probably the, the biggest involvement in the game this year is what's going on down in Tampa Bay. Yep. Exactly. Where they're actually using relievers to start, to start games, games because they believe that's going to give them the best opportunity to get three outs that inning and move forward. And and they've mastered it quite well given what they have. They're and look where they're game. at. Yeah, they're, they're, right now they're playing some good baseball. I believe in their third or fourth place. 40 some, they're near 500, I believe. They yeah. are – Tampa Bay is 43 and 44. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously with – you know, you don't look at Tampa and go – Wow, they got star power down there. They got a nice pitcher, Ian Snell, but you do it during spring training. Yeah, it, you do it during minor league games for for it, rehabs. So you know, it just makes sense. It, it was a, uh, it's you know, it's it, to see someone thinking. Yeah, it's innovative thinking. Exactly. You don't see it very often, but it does happen. And it's refreshing to see. It's kind of cool to see. You don't yeah. always see it. No, you know, because like a couple years ago in 2016. Uh, was it game one where it was a seesaw battle back and forth for the first four or five innings? Austin Boston, we finally took the lead. And Tito pulled what Bauer started game one of that series, I believe. I forget who started game one of that series. And he immediately went to Andrew Miller. You usually don't bring a late inning guy in in the fifth inning. Yeah. But well, I think it was the fourth inning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's innovative thinking where the game's in the line. I got to have my best pitcher out there. And, you know, if the Rays feel like their best pitcher is going to start in the first inning. So game seven of the World Series is a perfect example of what you're talking about. Any elimination game, all hands on deck. That's like Charlie Nagy came in in 97 and pitched yep. the 10th and 11th or 11th inning. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that was a bad decision, but, you know, that's yep. a different story. Yes, it is. Yeah. We hindsight's sit, always – We can sit hindsight's here. Hindsight's always 2020. We, we can, can have some fun with that. You know, have a and, long conversation about and, that. Whole. And, and Charlie Nagy was a, was a very effective pitcher in his career, and I'm not – here to take shots but uh anyways but yeah i think that's you know how baseball has changed and things continue to move forward you know as it's kind of neat to see yeah well like i say the indians right now are playing good baseball great to see uh it's july i'm not going to get excited however they have the easiest route and i've been saying this since april they have the easiest route to the playoffs Mm -hmm. All they have to do is make sure they're playing their best baseball at the end of September and going into October. And that's the goal. They got a what, 11 and a half, 12 game lead right now. They went 2 and 4 on the last road trip. They started 2 and 4 on and that finished last five road and trip. Four. Yeah. They finished 5 and 4 and still extended their lead. Yeah. After the Oakland and St. Louis series. They were two and four and extended the lead by a game. That's incredible. It is. They are. I, I, don't I know think the biggest they're... shock is the Twins have not played good baseball this year. They're eleven games up. 
Yeah, the Twins to me is the biggest shock in the Central because I thought I think everyone thought the Twins would play better baseball. They made some nice moves. Yeah, they did. You know, they Total brought in you know win, pitching. Yeah. They brought in you know. Uh, Logan Morganson at first base. They and brought he's his, struggling exactly, this year, yeah. and everyone thought those offseason moves were really nice moves to try to win this year. You know, they made the playoffs last year. They got against the Yankees, and and you and came up short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came up short. So here was an opportunity to try to get back to the playoffs again, and they made some moves. That this team has just struggled. Down. Yeah, it's just, it's just struggled. Not hitting the ball. Mauer's been hurt. Um, Morrison, who they signed, who said no to the Indians. Yeah. Thankfully, he did. He's hitting 190 last time I saw. And their big all-star power bat, who had 30 home runs last year, Miguel Sano, is in single A right now. So, um, Buxton's been out. Kepler's not hit the ball as well as he did last year. So, it's surprising, say, least because I thought when they signed Odorizzi and Lynn to pair him up with that top of the rotation, that's that's formidable. Oh, yeah. And it's just not worked out for them this year. And I thought Lynn was a great signing. It just didn't work out. Now they're faced with the rest of the division's thought process of completely they blowing will, it up. very well could be in seller's mode here. I think in, they will be. In, in, in the next week. Be. So it'll be interesting to see what choices and they make. I heard recently, speaking of sellers and buyers, that the Indians have now reached out to Washington about Calvin Herrera. And that's another story that's really Really interesting. Not that we reached out to Calvin Herrera because we're reaching out to anybody with good relievers. I think every team is. But the fall of the Washington Nationals this year is really surprising. I know they're banged up in the starting rotation. They started off the year really well. And when you when we sat back in March and looked at divisions, we saw, well, Washington would probably win the NL East. And they started out nice. And I think their last 25 games were like 6-19 and 19 or 7-18, something really just completely fallen off the map. Um, and I think they're faced with two. You know, Harper's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I'm not saying they're going to trade him because, but you got to wonder, you know, who's going to be available on that team. And because it's definitely a big surprise. And, you know, um, I think what you said last week's come true is that. Pitching, 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 pitching needs to be the main focus. And while Manny Machado's out there, and boy, that looks really sexy. It's a, it's a crapshoot, and not, it's not feasible. He's not going to resign with us after this year. It's a rental. Yeah. So it, you're going to pay and, rentals price, and, and you're that's gonna, what and Baltimore want, has to do. And with. they want a ton, which is pushing away a lot of teams, except for Arizona, who mm. might decide to go for it. Arizona, I think. St. Louis are the two most. Well, you put most in those two lineups. Well, well, I'm just saying that I think those are the two lineups or two teams yep. who most likely make a lot of sense. I think the Indians make sense. However, the Indians make sense. However, let me finish this. I know what you're saying. I think the Indians make sense. However, I think all three teams are going to say the exact same thing. He's Price a rental. Yep. He's a rental. Mm-hmm. He's a rental. You should have traded him last season. Yes, you should. And that's the problem. See, Baltimore's in a bad situation. Yes, Baltimore's in a tough situation because, A, they have free agents who can leave at the end they of the year. They got three or four, don't they? Yeah, but let me finish this thought. You have the free agents who who are, you know, at the end of the season, you have a manager's not signed to a long-term contract, and you have a GM's not signed to a long-term contract. All of them are basically free agents at the end of this year. So who do you talk to? How do you make this trade happen? Mm-hmm. Who do you say, this is the guy... You know, we're going to talk to. Is it Dombrowski? Is it, uh, is it is Showalter? Yep. Is it his second lieutenant who mm-hmm. may take over next year? This is the problem with Baltimore right now. Their organization's in disarray. They don't have a leadership. They have a leadership issue there. And when you have a leadership issue, you end up making, uh, you kick the can down the street some. And that's exactly where they're at. They've kicked a can down the street the last two years, and they have not made plays, trades, to help them win and long-term. And they don't have a great farm system. So they're looking to rebuild now, yet you don't have players who have value to trade. And the trade market has changed so much. Now, rentals don't cost as much, and... Players that have one to two to three years left on a contract do because you're willing to pay it. Like, for example, 
the Indians were willing to pay the price for Andrew Miller because they knew they would have him for two and a half seasons. They were willing to give up all that to get Andrew Miller. And it was worth it for them because now they have that opportunity. And then once he's on your organization, maybe they're an opportunity to re-sign him. Who knows? And that's just the way it works. And that's why, you know, like, Trinan down in Oakland is very interesting. You know, Herrera, yep. as you mentioned now with Washington, very interesting player. You're willing to give up something to get those players because yep. they have some Brad time. Brad what, he's in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. And you have – they have a contract that it has value back – for the organization. The Indians, because the Central is not strong, could continue this run another two, three seasons with the That's right mix. Even if they lose a Miller or an, or an Allen. Allen and maybe others because the starting pitching is so strong. And that and is locked up. And for the most mm-hmm. part, locked up. And they have others coming you know, through the system, like a Bieber, like a Plucko, and others. So... It's going to be interesting to see how the Indians evolved and what chances they take and where they're willing to move players for what players. You know, if if the Indians are willing to, get, you know, make a move, whoever that player may be, look at the contract they're going to get in return. Exactly. And it'll tell you the value that they're willing to give up. If there's something of value where they have a player for two, three seasons left, you know, at least a year and a half left, mm-hmm. they're gonna be they'll be willing to pay a higher price than they will be for a Manny Machado who's a rental. Does Manny Machado make the Cleveland Indians better? Oh yes. absolutely. Are you willing to give up, you know, three top ten prospects for him? No. no. Are you willing to give up a top fifteen prospect no. and maybe three top fifty prospects? Yeah, it's possible. You know, that type of thing could happen. Would you give up a Plucko and two top 50 prospects? Maybe. You know, I'm just throwing names out yeah. there, potentially, what they, they want. I'm sure they would want someone young From what that I... they have control over. And, you know, obviously, you're not going to trade. You know, here's the thing. No one's going to take Kipnis. Nope. Okay. Don't, don't even yeah, bring that, not... that idea. If it happens, it's a miracle. Because you are able to move a contract, contract yep. that has a year left and a player who has not performed to the level of expectations. Although he's hitting the ball well the last couple of weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's it, baseball. It, it takes a lot for me that. to say that. No, but my point my point is you're not going to trade bad contract for no. bad contract. No. Okay. Baltimore would be foolish to take Kipnis in a deal for Manny Machado. Baltimore, from what I read, they want two young starters who are controllable, which makes sense for them. Well, that's exactly what you need to do. Like you were speculating. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Baseball's changed. Baseball has changed in the last 20 years, especially in the last 10 years, where you trade young talent Mm -hmm. for established players for that team that has control over that player that they're Mm -hmm. trading for for five to seven years versus where years ago you used to trade major league players for, for major, major league, league players. players. Yep. You don't see that very often anymore. If they do, it's bad contract for bad contract, like what happened with the Mets and the Reds, you know, when they got... The, Matt Harvey? Matt Harvey, yep. exactly. A bad contract for a bad contract. You do not... It was pitched quite well. Right. Just like when the Indians mm-hmm. traded... You know, uh, Swisher and and Bourne to Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. Bad contract Contract, for bad bad contracts. That's what gets happened. You don't see major league players, stars traded for other stars. That just does not happen anymore in sports. It doesn't happen at the NBA level neither. You know, you trade for contracts contracts mm -hmm. and to expiring contracts and for draft picks. And that's just the way it works. And that's. You know, that's the value how sports has changed the analytics of the game uh, over the trade making, the deal deal making that used to happen years ago. I mean, you look at, for example, the Sinsu Chu trade years ago for the Indians. That took three teams to pull that off. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it was all young players. Yeah, you got yep. a couple, you know, you got Sean, you got Albies and a few other players back in that trade. And Bauer, I mean, you did really well, but it That's took right. three teams to get that trade done. It, it wasn't just one team. And, you know, you're going to see more of that in the future with teams saying, even when the Indians ended up with Kluber from San Diego, that was a three-team trade. The Indians ended up with Kluber in a three-team trade. And it, the trade... Where did he come from again? San Diego. San Diego. 
So my point is, it's just the game has changed dramatically on all sports. The days of will deal making of major league talent for major, major league, league talent, talent are, are pretty Far much yeah. It's you're just not going to see major trades, and those who may bring it up in a, in a talk format are absolutely fooling themselves. And they're dreaming. Or they're dreaming, exactly, because it just does not happen. You go, oh, I'll trade this, this, and, and you know what? I'll trade you. That's 1970 yep. baseball, 1980 baseball. That's not since 1990. Nope. 95. Let me, let me throw this off you. We obviously know what our first priority is, and it's not a surprise to anybody. We've seen it since the beginning of the year. I think every contender needs bullpen help. So we know bullpen help is number one atop Antonetti and Chernoff's list. With Chisholm Hall going down for an indefinite period of time, we saw in 2016 we can get to the playoffs, we can make a run with a, I don't want to call it makeshift, but a less than stellar outfield alignment. You know, we resigned Melky Cabrera. I think that's a nice signing, and hopefully he get some breaks this time around than, you know, compared to the first time. Would you say go after an Adam Jones who has a year and a half left on his contract? Would you go after a Shinsu Chu who has two full years left after this year? Probably not. Or would you just not. ride with what you got? And- Probably not, simply because uh, Adam Jones is someone I would be intrigued because he's, he's a very good character guy. Mm-hmm. And he's a player who you know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to bat 280, 285. Yep. He's going to hit 20, 22 home runs. He's going to drive in close to 85 field, yeah. RBIs. He's a major league player. Uh, you know what you're going to get with him. Sinsu Chu may be at the tail end of his career now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see he is not necessarily the same player he was five years ago. I'm not really interested in bringing him back, especially like you mentioned, years left on his contract. That's yeah, he's getting, that's Texas he's problem. Adam Jones, yeah, yeah, he's that's Texas problem. And I'll be honest, I think of the three that you mentioned, Cabrera, you know, is to me a better option because you mm-hmm. have him in your organization again. And you know, well, not even that. He he fits your need. Okay, here's an RBI guy. I mean, he played in 20 games, I think, or 15 games with the Indians, uh, and he had 11 RBIs. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he bat two oh seven. He has a lot hit, of hard hit balls that didn't. But go it, that doesn't matter. My point is, you you got to look at production differently than RBIs and and batting average and on base. There's a lot of different factors that goes in, and the man has a great defensive arm. And you know, is he a great outfielder? No, but he's not terrible. He's going to help you. He can play both corner positions. I think in the end. That's the question mark with Chisholm long term is can he ever have a healthy year? And so far in his career, the answer is no. His legs always gives him troubles. Yep. And it has, even when he was at third base. And I don't know the answer to that because he does bring an aspect to the game the Indians love when he bats left-handed and is able to hit left-handers and drive the ball. I mean, he definitely has ability that the Indians like, but I think Cabrera makes the most sense. It's just, to me, why trade prospects for a player that you may have to trade again in the offseason, mm-hmm. you know, and, and turn them over? If you absolutely need the player, fine. And you know, that's kind of like last year's trade. You know, they absolutely needed an outfielder when Brantley went down. So they went out and got Bruce. And they, it was absolutely the great best trade they could make. And it worked out great for the Indians. And I was hoping Bruce may come back, and thank God he didn't because he's yeah, having he's a bad struggling. year. You he's know? hurt right now, isn't he? Yeah, I, I believe he is. But my point is just that every year you make changes. You brought Rajay Davis back. You make go and Jackson. he's hurt now too. Yeah. Well, my point is every year you make changes. Last year the Indians decided Davis was going to be too expensive for them, and Jackson, Jackson fit mm-hmm. was a better fit, and Jackson had he a great, had a great year. year. Mm-hmm. This year they went back to Davis and let go of Jackson. And they brought in a Cabrera during the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who was available. I still think Cabrera can help this team long term. He absolutely helps this ball club uh, as a uh, a guy who can switch hit and drive in runs. Mm-hmm. And I think even if it's a part time play this year for him, which would be kind of a waste of his talent, but just because of everybody else you have on this yep. team, that's going to happen. And we'll see what happens. You know, I just, I think in the end, 
the questions with Chisholm Hall's health long term is always going to be a question. Talent wise, I've never questioned him. Nope. I think his talent is major league. I think he's ready to. He can help any team at any level. The problem with him is can he stay healthy? And right yeah, now, his no. legs. The answer is every year he gets hurt, and every year you just don't know how many games you're going to get out of him. To me, Shoe or Jones are nice players, but I rather have Cabrera. You have Cabrera in your in your organization again, and you resign him because mm-hmm. of the injuries. Yep. So. You know, these are the things that happen in baseball, and you just got to move forward. Quick update. I was uh, checking our stats on uh, SoundCloud. Over 1,500 downloads that are through iTunes and everything else. However, we get a download from Australia. Really? Yes. And the reason I say that is there is my Mason Cox update. I did uh, email him and gave him our radio mvp address and told him how to find our podcast not saying it was him it could have been Mm -hmm. and we want to uh, reach out to mason if he's still listening if he is him that i will be in contact again through email and maybe social media this time to continue to pursue to bring uh our afl player our official afl player of radio mvp mason cox on the show it is kind of my uh my desire here i watched some afl last night and it was the two worst teams in the league. It's the only game available on Fox Sports Go. And uh, quite an interesting game. However, uh, what, you know, it's fun. It's a different culture, obviously, and there's different terminologies. And, you know, standings is the latter, which makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, because I go, oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're 17th on the ladder. Yeah. Or 18th on the ladder, you know. And it obviously... That's just kind of an English thing or an Australian thing you might want to say. You know, you hear that in, uh, I believe, in soccer terms, too. But uh, I just got a kick out of that. And anyways, we're pursuing him uh, vigorously. Or I'm going to give him an email this week again and try to reach out to him on social media and see if he'll come on. And uh, we're going to try to reach out to a couple other. The AFL, I'm going to tell you what, is a unique game. I remember watching it years ago. Started watching it in the last six weeks. I'm enjoying it. I, I watched it all last night, even though there was uh, the 17th and 18th team, and Carlton is just bad. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> they are just horrible. <laughs> However, I did put a bet down online and made five bucks last there night. You off go. Of them, so uh, good for them. Uh, they, made me, they made me a couple bucks. So that was, that was kind of fun. Uh, I knew they were bad. And I said, you know, I never did this on this. Uh, five dimes thing i said let me try it it's just for the hell of it so i put a small bet down won it and uh we'll see what happens but yeah it's gonna be fun so we're gonna continue to pursue it there's some people down in australia who i've been listening to i'm gonna try to contact them for we get a little information about the mm-hmm. afl and have some fun this summer uh up here in ohio as they uh, go through their winter months down there yeah. and uh Enjoy it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's sports. You know, I know the World Cup's going on, and congratulations to England, by the way. I guess they're in the semifinals. How are you not going to root for them the rest of the way? I don't know. I don't watch any of it. I haven't watched a single second of it. I watched one game, and that was a couple weeks back uh, because it was on at 9 in the morning on a Sunday. And I says, yeah, why not? Uh, I have not watched it. I'm at work 90% of the time anyways. And as far as I know, no local radio station covers the World Cup. I don't think they do. So I have not pursued it. Uh, I could have probably streamed it if I want to, and I may stream the next uh, the semifinal finals if it's during the week and I'm at work. And it's been a lot of fun, and uh, we never know what's going to happen. So that's just a little update on the the Mason Cox area, and we got high school football not that far Six away. Six weeks away. Yeah, and we'll have an announcement one way or the other on myself and my involvement this year. And uh, with Anthony and maybe Matt, we'll just see exactly what happens. Hopefully, all three of us will be back and we'll do something special. And matter of fact, we'll reach out to Matt here in the next mm-hmm. week or two, see if we can get him either come join us and do a podcast here at the house or uh, join us online and yeah, do a I mean, podcast. It's good to be that time of it's year. It's time. It's time to get Matt back into the uh, into the fold and have some fun talking football. So for Anthony, I'm Tim. Don't forget to check us out on RadioMVP.com, on Facebook, facebook.com slash RadioMVPPod, on 
Twitter at the Real Radio MVP. I'm at Tim Continenza. Anthony is at ACAP17 on Instagram. And please give us a rating and subscribe through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review. It would be greatly appreciated as we continue to grow Radio MVP. So for Anthony, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you soon right here on RadioMVP.com.